Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. And today, (laughs) we're talking about money. Now, here's the funny thing. In the first service, I said we're talking about money, and this is what happened in the room. That's what happened. And it just happened again. See, so I don't know. I know this is a tough subject, but, but we're going to talk about money this morning. Hang with me. Okay, hang, can, can we hang with me? Okay, I promise you God's got a blessing in store for you in regards to money. But money and what we do with ours is an important issue to God. It's all over this book. If we were to take out all the verses that dealt with dollars, this book would be in tatters. In fact, almost half, well over a third of Jesus' parables dealt with money. I do most of the premarital counseling and the, and the postmarital counseling here at Christian Life Austin. And the number one reason couples argue is finances. Money's hard. It's difficult to wrap our minds around. And, and I want to help shift the way we think this morning from, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. I want to be rich. Let me just ask, can we just be honest and a little transparent this morning? How many of you have ever thought that, or you think that, you say, you know what, I'd like to be rich. I'd like to not have to worry about money. It would be good just to show a hands. would like to be rich. Okay, all right, and the rest of you are comfortable living in a monastery as a monk, I guess. I don't know. You are holier than me. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. I want, you to, I want to help you see this morning that you are rich already. You truly are. You're rich already. Even those of you who say, Reed, you don't know my situation. My bank account, I've got 17 total dollars. In my, I don't know I'm going to make it to payday. I'm going to fill out a financial assistance request form as I'm dismissed today. Like, I'm not talking about today. Maybe not today you don't have X, Y, Z in your bank account. But holistically, over the course of your lifetime, you're going to be legitimately loaded. Really, really, really rich. And I'm going to prove it to you. The first thing that we have to do the first thing we have to do is we have to realize that we're in a worldwide story. you got to get out of Austin, Texas, USA. Yes, Austin, Texas, USA is in the world, and it's a real place, but it's not the real world. we got to get out of Austin, Texas, USA and into the world to recognize that we're really loaded. Like even the high school students that are here, like Scrooge McDuck wealthy, like we're really, really loaded in this church. You're, again, I'm going to prove it to you. Hang with me. The average high school student, If they were to work at McDonald's, they're going to school full-time, so they can only work 25 hours a week flipping hamburgers. They make minimum wage for 25 hours a week. And they're going to make, over the course of that week, $181. Not illogical that that could happen. $181 a week. Over the course of a year, they would make $9,425. So they're poor, right? Wrong. If you make $9,425 this year you'll be in the 86.7 percentile of income in the world. Read, I don't understand what you're talking about. Here's what I mean. 86.6 percent of people on this planet make less money than you if you make $9,425 in this calendar year. We are really, really rich. We are really, really blessed. Um, everybody stand up. We're going to do a little audience participation this morning. Okay, so let's pretend for a minute there's probably 700 people in the room, give or take. So let's say this room is representative of our planet. Okay, so 7 billion people in the room, 700 people up. So each of you is 10 million people. Okay, so just imagine you're 10 million people right where you stand. So if you make $9,425 this calendar year, that means you make more money 
then everybody in the room, if there's 700 in the room representing 7 billion on the planet, you make more money than everybody in the room, than everybody except this section. Everybody sit, sit down except this section, this section right here. 94 people. There's 94 chairs. I counted twice. 94 people. If you make $9,425, you make more money than everybody in the room except for 94 people. You may be seated. Thank you. That's crazy. A high school student is really loaded. 86.7% of people, excuse me, 86.6% of people make less money than you. And you say, well, read the cost of living in Austin is higher than in the rest of the world. Yeah, I get that. It's expensive to live in Austin. But you can't say that I'm poor, I'm not wealthy, because we are. We are incredibly rich. I found the average household income of people living in the United States. This is a new statistic. It just came out. It's $54,462. That's the average household income in America, $54,462. If you make the average household income, that puts you in the 97th percentile of world wealth. 97th percentile. So that's everybody. I'd say what? First four rows stand up right here. Okay, and maybe, maybe uh, about four more of you. You make more money than everybody else except these people. If you make the average household income in America. We're blessed. Thank you. You may, you may be seated. Isn't that crazy? Like we, we get this idea that, we're not, that we, we're, 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 we're not blessed because we see other people in America. If, you know what I say, go, go, make, go make your million dollars. Go start a business, learn how to invest, hit the jackpot. Let's say you hit the jackpot, you make a you make million dollars a year. A million dollars a year. I could not have even one person stand up because it's, it's so infrequent. It doesn't happen. You would make more money than everybody in this room because we can't even get one person to stand up to represent the people that you would make less money than if you make a million dollars a year. We are a blessed People, we are, we got to have a mindset. We're not in an Austin, Texas story. We're in a worldwide story, and we are really, really blessed. Can you put your hands together and give God some praise that we're in a blessed country? We're a blessed people. You're blessed. You're blessed. I want you to come away saying, "I'm blessed. I'm blessed." To know that, to own that, to look in the mirror and say, "I'm blessed." You're blessed. You've got to know that. I, I handle a lot of the financial assistance request forms, and we process those, and people come in. I know they're going through hardships. We love to help people. We love to give benevolence here at the church. But listen, you're blessed. Even if you're having to fill out an assistance request, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're a blessed, blessed people. Even the poor in America, and I'm not making light of the poverty stricken in our own country, but even the poor in America, most of them have a, have a roof over their heads. Most of them have uh, electricity, and nearly all of them have clothes on their backs. Even the poor in our own country are wealthier than 80% of the other people on the planet. What does that say about our planet? Crazy. So we live in a worldwide story. Just get that. We live in a worldwide story. We live in a worldwide story. And the second thing we have to remember is we have a kingdom mission. This life is not all about you and I doing the best we can to accumulate as much as we can, but there's a very specific mission that God has given us. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, go and to all the nations. Go to all the world. Preach the good news. Preach the gospel. Tell others about me. Baptize him in the name of the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach him to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm going to be with you to the end of the mission. It's called the Great Commission. It's the summation of what life is all about. And Jesus said, this is the kingdom mission. This is what we're supposed to do. And once you get that idea... 
Okay, can we get an amen to that? that yeah, yeah. We have a kingdom mission, we get this. So when we get that idea, okay, we're in a worldwide school, we have a kingdom mission, and then we realize that all of our cash is kingdom cash. Entrusted to us by the king of the kingdom to advance his mission, to advance whatever, to, to get his kingdom going. That's our goal. And here's another thing. Each of us, you and me, will have to answer back to the king of the kingdom on how we steward the money that he entrusted to us. Let me show you an incredible text out of Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 16. This is Jesus telling a parable. He says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You've plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. That's powerful. God's telling this guy, You're a fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up them, things for themselves but is not rich towards God. There's going to be a day where you and I have to give an account to God. And in that moment, it's not only going to be about, did you have a relationship with Jesus? Did you put your faith in my son? Did you go to church, have a Bible, ever read it? Part of that conversation is, I entrusted to you $9,425 a year. I entrusted to you $54,462 a year. I entrusted to you a half million dollars a year. What did you do with that to advance my mission, to advance my kingdom, to make me famous? What did you do with that? And I hope in that moment I'm not going to say what everybody else says. Well, uh, I, 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 I tithe, I gave 10%, and then I just did what I wanted with the other 90%, but I gave the 10%. And God's going to say, well... So you thought you could give me a buck and do whatever you wanted with the other nine and somehow I'd be satisfied who sold you on that mentality. All of this is kingdom cash entrusted to us by the king of the kingdom to advance his mission. My money is not my money. And, and I think when we get that idea, when we wrap our minds around that, it's not, it's not mine. It's not my money. The last thought is this, and you already know this, but it's getting it at the forefront of our minds, is that this is our only opportunity to invest into our eternal bank account. You have an eternal bank account. You know this. You have an eternal bank account, and this is the only time the 78 years we have on earth, plus or minus, is the only time we can make deposits into that eternal bank account. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we're saved. By grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we get to heaven. By grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But when we get to heaven, once we get there, there's going to be a rewarding that happens It's all over the Bible. There's over 50 New Testament passages alone that talk about this. It's all over the Bible. So again, we get to heaven. It's not, let me, I want to clarify. I want you to hear me right. It's not what we do that gets us to heaven. We're saved by grace. We get to heaven by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But then what we do after we have received Jesus, that's where the rewarding happens. There's going to be a judgment that takes place and, and you're, Judgment's going to look different than my judgment based on how we stewarded that which he entrusted to us. Right smack in the middle of this kingdom teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says these incredible words. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Did you catch that? He didn't say store up for God. He says store up for you. He didn't say make a deposit in God's heavenly bank account. He says make a deposit in your heavenly bank account. There's something that I can do with my dollars, my physical dollars on earth, 
that puts a deposit in an eternal bank account of heaven. And the only time we can make those deposits is this little bitty window of time that we have on earth. Again, I don't know what heaven will be like, but I do know there's going to be a different judgment for you and for me. And when we stand before God, we're going to wish like crazy we had invested more of our resources into the kingdom of God. There's going to be people that are going to be standing there eternally saved by grace, but bankrupt in our account because we didn't steward our finances well. we got to wake up to the fact that we're living in a worldwide story, that there is this kingdom mission, that all of our cash is kingdom cash entrusted to us by the king of the kingdom, and that we're going to have to give an account for that someday when we see him face to face. Here's what happens. When you start thinking along these lines, you stop saying, this is my money. Well, I earned it. I worked hard for this money. It's not your money. It's God's money. You can't take it with you. It's all, it's all the resource of God. And so I start saying, well, I'm not, it's not my money. It's God's money. I'm the manager of God's money. And it change, it's a shift change in your, in your head. I'm a manager of God's money. I get, a, I get a credit card from the church. And I know that when that, that statement comes in and pastor looks at it, he's going to go, Read, <laughs> and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to have to give an account for what I spent. What is this jet ski? <laughs> Thought we could do some ministry on the lake. Uh, you know what? Like, I'm going to have to answer to him. I'm going to have to answer to our board of directors, so I have to be careful how I steward that money because it's not my money. Does that make sense? I have to give an account to someone, my, my boss. I have to give an account to my boss and say, this is why, this is, this is a need, this is a need, this is a want. And I probably should have asked permission before I bought that. We're going to have to give an account one day. This isn't our money. Now, this is a need, this is a need, this is a want. I probably should have got your permission before I just went and splurged on that. It's, it's, it's a hard thought, it's a hard principle, I get this, but it's all God's. And if, it, if we switch our minds and say, God, how can I honor you? Not with a 10% tip. But how can I glorify you with all of my money? How can I glorify you with all of my resources? How can I advance your kingdom the greatest to the furthest? L- listen to this. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says this. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I love getting, giving. When I come up here and we take the offering, and sometimes I get the privilege of doing that, I'm not lying when I say I love to give. Because as, as, as a worshiper, I come and I consume God's grace and I consume the worship and I consume the word. I'm a consumer. And that's the one opportunity I can be a distributor of God's grace. And so I want more people to hear the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. And so it's a chance for me to advance the kingdom with what he has entrusted to me. I believe, I believe there are se- there's more than this, but I'll give you seven benefits today biblically on why we should give. Seven benefits biblically that we're going to run through real quick on why we should give. Number one, giving is an investment in eternity. Giving is an investment in eternity. We've already talked about this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There's something you can do with your physical dollars here that make a deposit in your eternal bank account. Number two, giving makes me become more like God. Giving makes me become like God. I don't want to be God. I'll never be God, but I want to become like God. And John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world that he he gave. He gave. He gave his only son, by the way, which still boggles my mind. I have two sons, seven and five. My oldest one is fine. He got the stitches out. He's going to live. Uh, if y'all weren't here on Wednesday, just disregard that last thought. Not going to explain that again. But yeah, I have a seven and a five-year-old. I love them so much. I love you. Like some of you I don't even know, but I love you. 
but I wouldn't give either of my sons for the whole lot of you. I wouldn't do it. They're my boys. I love them so much. And God loved you so much he gave his only son. That's crazy to me. We, we, don't, we deserve death. You realize that. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. We deserve death. But he says, no, the gift of God, the gift of God, he gave us this free gift of God is Jesus Christ. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Like that, That's a crazy thought. So we don't die. He gave his son Jesus what we deserve, which is death. And he gives us abundant life. God gave. And we're supposed to be like Christ. Romans 8 says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Jesus gave everything and he said, I want you to be like my son. I want you to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. I want you to be conformed to his image. I want you to give. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, God made, uh, says uh, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. And we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let me explain that. He's just saying you're going to become what it is you're beholding. If you want to become like the image of God, we've got to behold who Jesus, well, Jesus was a giver. God was a giver, so I want to become more like him. Number three, giving draws me closer to God. Giving draws me closer to God. That text I shared a minute ago out of Matthew 6, 19 through 20, do not store up for yourself treasures in heaven, excuse me, treasures on earth, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. The end of that says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I can tell you what you're passionate about if you give me five minutes with your bank account statement. Oh, that stuff. Hey, you got ten toes. I can break two of them, okay? You, you, you get a bank statement. I can tell you what you're passionate about. I want God to say, you don't just have my heart. You don't just have my mind. You have my, you have my pocketbook. Where my treasure is... That's where my heart is. I love you. I want to draw closer to you. I want to give because I want to be more like you. I want to draw closer to you. Giving draws me closer to God. Number four, giving is the antidote to greed. Greed is a sneaky sin. It's sneaky. I have never in 35, nearly 36 years of life had anybody come up to me and say, I'm greedy. Never. I've never had that happen. (laughs) They've, They've confessed a lot of stuff and never greed. You know, it's always masked by, well, I like to save. I've got like seven years of salary saved up. I'm just a saver. No, you're greedy, okay? Like, let's just be. <laughs> seven years, Bob, that's a lot. Greed is sneaky. It's a sneaky thing, but, but giving is the antidote to greed. You're not greedy if you're giving it away. It's the antidote to greed. First Timothy 6.10, it's a very well-known passage. It's also a very misquoted passage. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is not evil. Let me, let me say that again. I want, I want followers of Jesus to have some money. I do. Because we're gonna, it's going to take some money to advance the kingdom of God. So I want people who get it, who understand it, and say, I want to give it and advance the kingdom of God. Money is not evil. It is not, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. A brick is not evil. It's inanimate. It's, it's an inanimate object. If I can, I can build a hospital with it, or I can throw it through a bank window and rob the bank. The brick is not evil. It's the intent behind the brick. Money is not evil, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And then verse, seven verses later, seven verses later, it says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's where I want us to put our... It, it's, where, it's, it's my antidote to greed. I'm going to put my hope in you. Not my hope in my stuff. My hope in you. My hope in you. My hope in you. 
Number five, giving strengthens my faith. One of my favorite texts is Malachi chapter 3 in, in verse 8. The question is asked, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. And they say, well, how do we rob you? And the Lord says, in tithes and offerings. And then he says this. This is so good. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. I love that the Lord says, test me. I love that, right? Test me in this, says the Lord Lord Almighty. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I don't throw out so much blessing on your life, you don't have enough room to contain it. I'm going to pour out blessing all over your life. You won't have enough room to contain it. Like, that's crazy. Test me. Test me. It strengthens our faith. You give, and you see God bless you, and he takes care of your needs. So you go, well, I'm going to try it again. So you give, and then God blesses you. It, it, It strengthens your faith every single time you do it. Number six, giving blesses me in return. Giving blesses me in return. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 says, a generous person will prosper. It's a promise. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And then 11 chapters later in in Proverbs 22 verse 9, it says the generous will themselves be blessed. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. I have a pastor friend of mine named Tony Wofford who uh, is a pastor in Snyder, Texas. He's now the mayor of Snyder, Texas, ironically. And when I moved to Austin, I came to the University of Texas and uh, single mom, school teacher. So we, we didn't have all of our money together to, to go to school. And so he said, I just want to bless you. I, just, I love you and I want to bless you. And so he gave me $800 right before I left for school. Uh, and I was like, I can't, I can't accept that. I can't receive that. Like, that's, that's a whole lot of money. I can't receive that. And he said, Reed, I'm going to ask you the same question he asked me. He said, Reed, have you ever given something to someone else and they didn't give you anything in return? Have you ever done that? Yes. And how did that make you feel when you gave but didn't get anything back? You see, you felt good. You're not giving to get something back. You just give because you want to give. It makes you feel good. He said, me giving you this money makes me feel good. And you receiving this money makes you feel good because you get 800 bucks. He says, so you're robbing me of a blessing and you're robbing you of a blessing. And I said, I receive it. And from that day forward, I have never, ever turned down a gift. And it's not me taking advantage of anybody, but I understand the principle of when you give, it's a blessing to you. And it's a blessing to me. So if anybody wants to ever buy me lunch, I'm not going to turn you down. If anybody wants to buy me lunch today. I'll wait for a hand. (laughs) Come see me after service, okay? I can eat. Um, it's a blessing. I get it. It's a blessing for me to give. It's a blessing for you to give. And the last one, number seven, giving makes me happier. Jesus himself said, Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You'll be happier if you give more than you receive. All right, let me tie a big bow on this. If your household makes the average American income of 54000 $462, and you have an average 45-year career, over the course of your life, you're going to make, look at this number, $2,450,790 coming through your bank account. If all you do is make the average annual income and work the average 45-year career, you're going to have a little under $2.5 million come through your fingers. Now, let's pretend for a minute that a ping-pong ball it's worth $3,000. This ping pong ball right here is worth $3,000. Okay? 
So I'm making $54,472 a year, every year for 45 years, make a grand total of $2,450,000. So how many $3,000 ping pong balls does that equate to? Eight hundred and sixteen ping pong balls. That's pretty good. Eight hundred and sixteen three thousand dollar ping pong balls. If you make the average annual income and you work an average forty five year career, eight hundred and sixteen three thousand dollar ping pong balls are going to come through your bank account in your lifetime if you're average, not too shabby. Now, the average person in the world, the average person in the world makes seven. Hundred dollars a year. That's the average American, average person, seven hundred dollars a year. If they work the same time frame, forty-five year career over the course of their lifetime, they'll make thirty-one thousand five hundred dollars, which equates to ten and a half ping pong balls. It's crazy. Average American. Average person on our worldwide story. We're blessed. Amen? We're blessed. Say amen to that. We're blessed. A billion, a billion people in India, a billion people in India, 80% live on less than $2 a day. Same story in Bangladesh. The average person in the world is trying to figure out what they're going to do with their $700 this year, and yet we have that much in our electronic device alone that's sitting in our pockets. It's crazy. While you and me are trying to figure out how to get more money, I need more ping pong balls. I really like ping pong balls. Aren't they pretty? They even glow in the light. I like white. White's my favorite color. I want some more ping pong balls. Could you give me some more ping pong balls? Anybody got any more ping pong balls? Are there any ping pong balls out there? I, I really like working for this church, but I'd, I'd quit the church if I go get it. I, you give me more ping pong balls? I'll come work for you. Yeah, I'll leave the church immediately. Just give me some more ping pong balls. Can I come get more ping pong balls? We're so infatuated. I just want more. I, just, I really like them. They're so pretty. I love them. We want more ping pong balls. <laughs> we have more ping pong balls than 97% of the world, and all we want is more ping pong balls. What I need to do is realize these are God's ping pong balls. And he gave us the skills, abilities, and personality traits to accumulate these ping pong balls. While we're saying, I've got to figure out how to get more ping pong balls, God's saying, no, 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 you've got to figure out how to get more of these in here. We've got to figure out how to transfer more of these into the kingdom, into the mission, into what I've created you, what, what this whole thing is about. I want to get more ping pong balls over here. And it's not that I don't want you to get a raise. I want you to get a raise. But when you get a raise, go, well, how can I honor God with all this extra money? We got to figure out how to get more of these in there. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. Is uh, I know because I've been a part of services like this. Okay, and, and you have somebody you hear a message like this. You're like, oh, I'm just so convicted, and the Holy Spirit's working on you. And you know, and so you're like, okay, all right, read. Okay, all right, okay. Give me a minute. And God's going, what are you doing? Like, we don't, 
We need, we need to get a shovel. We need to figure out how to get more of these into there. We need to start dumping these ping pong balls because we're about a kingdom and advancing the kingdom mission. It's not about us. It's about him and advancing his kingdom for his glory and his story. It's not about us. How do we get these in there? Randy, come help me. Here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing. When you get this, when you get this, once we give God gifts, it's all throughout the New Testament. I'll share some of my favorite verses. Proverbs, well, this is Old Testament. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. We quote it. We put it on our mirror. 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You're quoting it with me. In all your ways, acknowledge him will make your path straight. And then we stop. Let's keep going. Verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your $9,425. Honor the Lord with your $54,462. Honor the Lord with your half of me. Honor the Lord with that, with the first fruits of all of your crop. And then, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So we get this idea that we're like, well, God, if you'll give me, I'll give to you. He goes, no, 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 no. You honor me with what you've got. And then, then, then your barns, I'm not going to give you half a million dollars if I can't trust you with $9,425. But if I trust you with that and you honor me with that, then I know I can trust you with small things so I can trust you with greater things because you're going to continue in the habit of giving that you already started when you had nothing. He is a giver. He's a giver. Jesus himself said in Luke 6.38, give and it'll be given to you. Have you ever opened a bag of chips? Like, it's depressing. It's the most depressing thing ever. You get a big bag of chips. I get so excited. I like to eat. And I, I open it. There's seven potato chips in there. <laughs> it's air. It's all air. That is so depressing. Jesus says, when you give, I give it back to you. And it's a good measure and it's pressed down. You're not going to get a bag full of air. You're going to get pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into your lap. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. If you want to receive, if you want to receive a teaspoon of blessing, then give a teaspoon. That's okay. I want to receive a dump truck, semi-truck, back that thing up. Beep, beep, beep. I got to give that though. I got to give and it'll be given to me in the same way. You cannot outgive God. God has never had a conversation with someone. Oh, I didn't know you were going to give all that. I should have told you last installment. I'm tapped out. He's never said that. You cannot outgive God. We're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. Listen, the title of the sermon is Be Rich. We are rich, but we need to be rich towards God. Let me just brag on you for a minute. This church, uh, I know you're going, well, like, are our lights about to be cut off? Why are you talking about, we, we don't ever talk about money. You know, if you come to this, if this is your first time, this is like the only time we ever talk about money all year. I promise. We don't talk about it a lot, but I, I do want to talk about it because it's a blessing that is reserved for you. It's a blessing that's reserved for you. And you do give. You're faithful stewards of this house. And we do so many things, so many things we don't even talk about because we're not about us. We're not about boasting in what we do. It's all about what he's done. 
We're seeing life changes happening. We, we baptized over 500 people in this church alone last year. We're on pace to do that again in this year. That's crazy. You're a faithful, you're a faithful, you're faithful people. You are. But I just think about what are we capable of? What if we really wrapped our minds and our hearts and our pocketbooks around us and said, God, okay, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you everything that I can. I want to, <laughs> it's a worldwide story. You have blessed me. I don't live in Bangladesh. I live in Austin, Texas. I am a blessed person. And, and, and I have a kingdom mission. I have a mission to advance your kingdom. And all this money is your money anyway. I'm just a manager of it. And I want to advance your kingdom. And what can I do with my resources to make your name famous? What can I do with my ping pong balls? Where can I shovel them next? I truly believe, and I've got some insider information being on staff, but I truly believe we're on the cusp of something incredibly big at CLC. Incredibly big. We're about to see, I believe this with every fiber of my being, we're about to see an explosion, not by addition. Churches are doing addition all over the town. By multiplication, we're going to see so many people come to faith in Jesus Christ because of this lampstand called Christian Life Austin. It's going to happen. And I just think about if we all wrapped our arms of love around this and said, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to throw it out there and see. I'm going to give and see if it's given to me. Precedent. With the measure I use, it's going to be measured. I'm just going to trust your word. I mean, at the end of the day, do you believe God's real? Well, then do you believe what he said is true? Because he said with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time of prayer. Uh, I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come. And as they come, there may, be, there may be lots of things that's going on in your heart right now. God may be speaking to you in a number of ways. And I just want you to respond with an affirmative. Yes, Lord. Yes. One of the things that he, he may be saying to you is you say, Reed, I want to give, but I don't know if I've ever given me. I don't know if I've ever given my life to Jesus. Well, we can start there. Come and give your life. Surrender it to the Lord. Say, I want to give my life to you, Jesus. Maybe you would come and experience the incredible blessing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have a need that's been pressing. You can get just a brother or a sister to wrap their arms around you and say, I want to pray with you in agreement. When two or three agree about anything on earth that's bound by our Father in heaven, we're just going to agree with you that you're going to receive the healing or the financial blessing, whatever you're looking for. Maybe some of you just need to have a renewed uh, desire to give. Say, you know what, if I'm honest, I haven't honored the Lord with my wealth. With my $9,000 and my $55,000 and my $100,000, I haven't done, I haven't honored him with that. So I'm going to make a renewed commitment today I just honor him with what he's blessed me with. Whatever he's asking you to do. Would you stand together? And if God is speaking to you, won't you come? Let us pray with you as we sing together. God bless you. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.